Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Nina. And you're listening to Slice Slice of Murder. Murder. episode six yay yeah, i know it's super exciting um before we get started do we have anything to talk about any, any news uh, you want to share no i don't think so do you yeah i don't think so i can't think of anything all right then we can just get started so this week i'm going to be talking about ashley reeves ashley reeves was found nearly dead in the woods 30 hours after her disappearance just 15 minutes away from her home Samson Shelton, a teacher, had tried to strangle her and left her for dead. Wow. Yeah, have you heard about this story? No, I haven't. I was just going to say, like, I have not heard anything about this case. Yeah, I I recently saw, you know, those stories on Snapchat. Uh Uh-huh. I saw her story there, and I was like, oh, that's so interesting. And so that's how I found out about it. Yeah, I've never heard about this. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to listen. Yes. So Ashley was born on June 20th, 1983. 17-year-old Ashley Reeves was a high school junior living in Milstadt, a village in Illinois. So this is a very small town that had about 5,000 people at the time. Wow, that's really small. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And so she lived with her parents and her younger sister, Casey. She had many friends and did well in school. She had a boyfriend named Jeremy who was adored by her parents. Her sister describes Ashley as a dedicated student, and she was very determined to, like, succeed Mm -hmm. and to her school life. Mm -hmm. She was down to earth, and she didn't give her parents any trouble. All right. Love that. Yeah, she's, like, a pretty good student. Yeah. Just, like, living, like, a normal life, like Mm -hmm. any other high schooler. Until Thursday, April 27th, 2006. So Ashley told her parents that she was headed for an interview in Fairview Heights. The city was located about 20 minutes away from where she lived in Milstead. Mm-hmm. So she said she was going to be playing some basketball after her interview and would be back home by her curfew, which was around 10 p.m. Okay. So Ashley left for her interview at 3.30, just shortly after dropping her sister off at home. And she was driving her boyfriend Jeremy's car, which she had borrowed for the day. Mm-hmm. Was this interview for, like, an internship or just, like, a yeah, job it was a, or a something? Yeah, a job interview. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so she had her interview clothes and then mm-hmm. her basketball clothes okay. that she was going to change into. Uh, but her, her, her curfew had come and no sign of Ashley. Her mother, Michelle, asked her daughter, Casey, if she'd receive any communication from her daughter. But Casey said she'd not spoken to her since getting dropped off. Mm-hmm. So her mom and sister sent Ashley multiple texts that night, but they got no response. This behavior was unusual for Ashley. And so her mom followed her gut, feeling that something was not right, and contacted the police, like, immediately. That's good, because I feel like sometimes in these situations, the parent just immediately jumps to the conclusion, like, oh, they're, like, missing their curfew on purpose, you know? Like, they're up to no good. But, I mean, I guess it helps that she sounds like she was a super responsible kid, but it's just nice to hear that her mom, like, immediately went to the police and didn't jump to the conclusion that 
she was missing it because she was like out somewhere with her friends, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think that definitely played a huge role in why mm-hmm. she ended up surviving in yeah. the end. Um, yeah, because her mother acted so quickly, and you'll see that police also acted quickly. Really quickly. Yeah, so the officers, when they first heard, they thought, oh, Ashley's just out with her friends and maybe lost track of time, yeah. you know? But they were still going to investigate. Yeah, I feel like that's, like, the first conclusion people jump to. And, I mean, luckily, most of the time, it's right. Like, most of the time when you're late, you are just out with your friends and lose track of time. But, I don't know. I feel like, especially in this case, when she was such a responsible girl, and it sounds like she didn't really give her parents a lot of trouble. Like, this has not happened before. I'm glad that, you know things got done about it instead of just like the police leaving it to that like oh she'll come home soon like if she's not here tomorrow then contact us because like you never know those like 12 hours in between could have been the difference between life and death for her yeah and we see in a lot of cases that that does happen where they Mm -hmm. say oh we can't do anything until 48 hours after right so yeah thankfully here they did go into action yeah. really quickly and I was wondering if that was like more because they're a small town so mm-hmm. they like all kind of know each other yeah or maybe yeah. they just have like I mean if it is such a small town maybe they just have nothing else on their oh, plate like if something happens I guess they would be like well okay why not like it's not like we're doing anything else right now whereas maybe in a bigger city like they have other open investigations going on or they have things that might be in their eyes higher priority um but maybe uh, in like a small town like this they don't necessarily have like those other obligations to get to but it's crazy to me that they don't like allow people to be declared missing until like 48 hours after or whatever the time period is because i feel like i've read like after 24 hours like the chance of finding whoever it is like goes down by like 50 percent. you know like i feel like it goes down by like a crazy amount after the first 24 hours. So, like, it's crazy to me that they don't even allow you to declare people missing. Yeah, and I think it also just depends on what the situation is. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's something like this, usually they'll be like, oh, no, like, she's out with her friends. Let's yeah. wait a little longer. Yeah. But she wasn't replying to, like, her mom, her sister, or any of her friends. So you say, like, maybe she's hiding something. Like, she's not replying to her parents, but, yeah, like, not even to her friends. Yeah. So that just said a lot. And so eight hours into the investigation, they found Jeremy's car. So the car that Ashley Mm -hmm. had been driving. They found it abandoned in Latterman Park, um, Belleville, 15 minutes away from Ashley's home. Inside the car, they found Ashley's belongings, including her bag and clothes that she would have worn to play basketball. Okay. So was this on the way to the interview or on the way back? back from the interview so this is where she was going to go play basketball okay so it's like in the middle of her interview in basketball yeah okay all right yeah so then we know that she's wearing like the interview clothes mm-hmm. so she did go to the interview yeah um and then quickly police realized that this was not a case of a rebellious teen but instead a missing person investigation and time was of the essence mm-hmm so detecti- detectives started questioning her boyfriend, Jeremy. Right. But in the interview, um, Jeremy says that he loves Ashley and he'd never do anything to hurt her. And he was also out of town that day. Yeah. 
So yeah, police quickly ruled him out as one of the suspects. I mean, I get why they have to interview him because I feel like there is such a high statistic of significant others like being the perpetrator of the crime but it just sucks when you are innocent and like you're just worried about your girlfriend or your wife or whoever and then you're being treated as like a suspect i'm i'm sure that that must be like the most like terrifying heartbreaking thing in the world because like you're going through like all this worried about your own loved one and then you also have to kind of like defend yourself against like what happened so yeah, yeah. but the good thing is yeah, they quickly saw that he was really mm-hmm. being genuine. I saw part of the interview, and yeah, he does seem really genuine, mm-hmm. saying that he loves Ashley, never hurt her. Um, and they're they're just trying to get information from right. him at this point, like seeing like who else should they question, right? Or especially since she was driving else. his car, I feel like they would hone in on, on him. You know, like yeah, that's the car that she was found in. So yeah, yeah, but he was out of town, like I said, and. He tells police that the last time he spoke to her was around 1 p.m. the day that she went missing. Mm-hmm. And detectives asked Jeremy if he believed that the person that she was going to play basketball with could have been romantically involved with Ashley. But mm-hmm. he said, like, no, like, absolutely not. Like, I can't see that happening. Yeah, okay. All right. And... So then detectives realize, like, Jeremy's not involved in the disappearance and that Jeremy told the police that Ashley borrowed his car to go to a job interview and then play some basketball. So what they had already known from Ashley's mom. Mm-hmm. And so detectives were wondering why Ashley was going to go play basketball at this specific park because it was 15 minutes away from her home. And there was a closer park around her neighborhood. So they were just wondering, like, oh, why did she go there? Yeah. And it seems like if she was going to, like, go with friends, like, they would all be in the same area of her house. Because if it's such a small town, then, like, I'm assuming it's not very widely spread out. You know, like, you would think that if she's going to play with her friends, then she would go to a park near to her house. Yeah, exactly. So this is why they're, like, unless she was meeting someone that lived around that area... Mm So Michelle, Ashley's mother, like quickly like went into action. She called the phone company. And since Ashley was a minor, she's 17, her mom was able to get her phone records. That's lucky. That's I know. really lucky. And I'm like the fact that she even thought about this, like she must be so stressed and anxious that her daughter is missing. And she's just doing all these things, like, to help the police and yeah. help them find her daughter. She has, like, such a clear head about it, like, which I don't think I would have in that situation. Like, she just seems like she knows the right things to do in, like, a case like this. Yeah. So she got the records of the incoming and outgoing calls. So while going through the records, Michelle and Casey realize that there are several calls to one specific number. So Michelle and Casey were both like, oh, like, should we call this number? Mm-hmm. And then they finally were like, yeah, let's call and see who it is. And this number was connected to Samson Shelton. Mm-hmm. And Michelle asked Samson if he had seen or heard from Ashley. He quickly said no and then before they could really ask any more questions, he just, like, abruptly hung up the phone. That seems suspicious. Yeah, so immediately off the bat, yeah. it's like, why? Yeah. 
Um, so some of her friends were also interviewed by detectives, and they told them some things about Ashley's private life that her family did not know about. Mm-hmm. So according to her friends, Ashley was involved with an older man. Ashley and the man would hang out to play some basketball, and Ashley had plans to meet with him the day she went missing. So this man was 26-year-old Samson Shelton, the man that they called on the right. phone. And this information sent spines down Michelle's... Oh, wait, sent, <laughs> sent chills down Michelle's spine. Got it. <laughs> so Sam Shelton was a driver's ed teacher and gym coach at a nearby school. Was it her school or no? Just So, no, this was not her school. He just at a nearby uh-huh. school. And he was also known as an aspiring wrestler on the side. Okay. And... In his wrestling matches, he was known by the nickname, The Teacher. That's lame. Yeah, it's like your whole personality <laughs> is being a teacher. Like, I could That's never. That's lame. Also, that do- how does that relate to wrestling? Yeah. What are you doing in wrestling matches? I thought your wrestling name is supposed to be tough. <laughs> I mean, well, That's teachers lame. are tough. Mm. We're tough. <laughs> <laughs> not in the wrestling field, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, not... <laughs> that kind of that's tough. just a Mentally lame tough. that's just a lame name <laughs> yeah just imagine them like calling and in this corner we yeah. have the, the teacher. teacher like that's lame yeah <laughs> well anyway i think he thought it was cool but also like he's a driver's ed teacher yeah and the mm. gym coach okay <laughs> pe teacher i f- that's a real job driver's ed teacher i feel like that's not a real teaching job yeah that's just like what you do on this. Like if you're yeah. a teacher, like that's something else you add that you on. do. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so he was a gym okay. teacher. So Samson is described as fit with blue eyes, and some of Shelton's female students referred him as the cute teacher, mm-hmm. while others thought he was strange and full of himself. And I looked at pictures of this guy. He is not cute. I'm going to look him up. So, yeah. Let's look him up. Okay, I looked him up. He is not cute at all. <laughs> he has, like, a you. tiny head. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Definitely not, not cute. my type. No. So, I think I'd be with the half that thinks that he looks just strange and full of himself. Yeah. But detectives discovered Samson was Ashley's former teacher in 2001 which when she was in seventh grade that's crazy that's really creepy then like if he's asking her to hang out yeah and they had recently reconnected in february of 2006 so just Mm -hmm. two months before she went missing they had what i wonder what he taught when she was in seventh grade gym he was like her gym teacher maybe i actually don't know i just know that he was her teacher in seventh grade yeah so they met in Belleville, where Samson lived with his mother and grandmother. He doesn't have his own like place? What? No, he doesn't. Mm. That's a red flag, I feel like. Yeah. So near, I mean, there's nothing wrong with living with your parents and grandmother, but I don't know. If he's, like, doing this, too, it's like, come on, like, get yeah, a life. exactly. Like, like, date someone your own age. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so he lived near Latterman Park, where detectives found Jeremy's abandoned vehicle. So the night Ashley disappeared, he was 
caught on camera at a local country club doing the boot scoop. <laughs> and so this is like a type of line dancing. Yeah, you know what? I actually just saw a TikTok of people doing the boot scoot at a Harry Styles concert. Wait, really? Yeah. So that's oh. actually really weird that you bring that up. Yeah, and there's like that video is like everywhere of him just just so line dancing. a big boot scooter. Yeah. Okay. Love that. All right. So on April twenty eighth, the following day of Ashley's disappearance. Michelle was concerned, and she just had, like, disturbing thoughts Mm -hmm. because of all the information she had recently found out about Ashley, and quickly they knew that he was involved in Ashley's disappearance. Yeah, that must be, like, so shocking to hear. Yeah, I mean, because they... Your They're kid. like, their daughter is, like, this good in school, yeah. and she has a boyfriend that her parents really yeah. like. Like, I feel like you just have this image of your kid, and then just to find it out this way, I'm sure must be so traumatizing for them, because you're hearing all this information that you had no idea of about previously, and then I feel like it just opens up whatever happened to her to, like, a whole new range of possibilities, which, like, must be really scary, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So detectives went to the high school where Samson worked and they took him in for questioning. So at first he's very calm and collected, cooperating with the police, answering all of their questions. Mm-hmm. But police like quickly realize that he's just holding back a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Police ask him about his relationship with Ashley. And Samson said the two were friends and rarely met up for basketball. Like, that was, like, every once in a while. And he explained their relationship was strictly platonic. But police then confronted him with the statements from Ashley's friends that their relationship was romantic and sexual. And, like, why would you even be friends with, like, He's 26. Like, why would you even be friends with a 17-year-old in the first place? Like, that's, like, a weird thing to even just like be friends with them in the first place you know yeah like i get that you're a coach a basketball coach like make your own make your own friends that are 26 like you have you don't need to be friends with kids that you teach 17 year olds yeah yeah like no that's just weird yeah like i don't know i feel like he's trying to like rationalize it but i feel like that's just like a weird situation in the first place yeah so yeah. he kept changing his story so from that, they weren't friends, but then said, now, when police were, like, kept pushing him, like, mm-hmm. okay, like, tell us the truth. Like, we know there's more. But he changed his story and said Ashley had become fascinated with him. So he plays as a victim now. Yeah. He said she was an obsessive teen with a crush on her teacher and that she called him at all hours of the day and night. Which, like... Like, come on. Yeah, and then if that was true, like, don't answer. Then why are you going to go play basketball with her? Yeah, like, if block that was her number. True, like, then what, you have no reason to have to talk to her or ever see her. So, like, why were you with her playing basketball if she was really so obsessive? You exactly. Know? So, Samson said he was trying to avoid her. Like, obviously not. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> you, you were just going to meet up to play basketball. Yeah. That does not sound like avoiding something to me. Yeah. But several hours into the investigation or interrogation, Samson confirmed that he had sex with Ashley and that he was with her the day of her disappearance. So now he's like moving closer to mm-hmm. a confession. Mm-hmm. 
And according to Samson, he said he was driving with Ashley and they got into an argument. He said he wanted to end the relationship with Ashley, but that she got really upset and started screaming at him. So he then pulled her, or he pulled over and told Ashley to get out of the car, but she resisted and so he pulled her out and just left her on the side of the road and left off. In Jeremy's car? No, so apparently... this was in his car. Yeah, they were in his car. Oh, okay. Okay. So then, but then that doesn't explain why Jeremy's car is feeling abandoned, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think um, what happened is maybe, like, they met somewhere, she Mm -hmm. left her car there, and then, like, went to his car. Like, I don't know where they were going, but they were driving... And he said, like, he just left her on the side of the road. Yeah. Like, she was alive when he last saw her. Okay. And then drove off. Which is not what happened. No. Okay. But that's what he says happened. Yeah. So he's kind of just blaming her about all of this. Like, saying, like, yeah, I was ending the relationship. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't know. Seems to be changing his story a lot. And I feel like even at this point, I would not trust him, like, to be telling me the entire truth. Yeah. So he said that there was no way he could have killed her. And his reasoning for this was because he had a very weak stomach. And then he references the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. He's like, yeah, have you seen this movie? Like, I still can't get that out of my head. I just have a weak stomach. I could never do that. Okay, I feel like um, watching that movie is, like, very different than like real life like maybe you can't watch that because he's like tearing into people with chainsaws and like putting them on hooks on the wall but like i feel like you definitely still have the capability to do something like i don't think that has any correlation whatsoever and why is that your like one piece of evidence that you didn't kill her (laughs) it's like yeah i watched this movie and And it really scared me like (laughs) i can't (laughs) yeah yeah that that's like a little bit that's a little bit of a far fetch. Yeah. So Samson said he cared for Ashley, but police are like, if you did care for her, then why would you drop her off on the side of the road and not call her after that to check up on her or see is she okay? Because yeah. there's no calls from him, like to Ashley so, after that. So it's obvious that he like knew what had happened afterwards because if he didn't know what had happened to her afterwards he would have probably been in contact with her you know yeah or she would have been in contact with him and there was no outgoing calls from like mm-hmm. her phone either after that right yeah okay. so this is when he went line dancing yes. afterwards the boot scoop yeah <laughs> so his story kept changing and police are like now very suspicious of him they're like if you have nothing to hide then why keep changing your story so police just pleaded him to tell the truth Mm -hmm. and ashley had now been missing for nearly 30 hours yeah so this is getting up on that time where i feel like if you have do have a missing persons case i do think it's like the stat is after 24 hours the chances of finding that person alive and well Mm -hmm. like go down by so much so i feel like at this point the police and her mom must be getting so desperate just for any sort of information yeah her poor family yeah um, yeah. But another detective came in. Uh, I think he kind of knew Johnson. So he came in and mentioned 
the disappointment that Samson's grandmother would feel towards his actions. Mm -hmm. Like, he came in, like, very calm and was just kind of like, listen, like, if your grandmother were here, like, what would she think of your actions? Like, what have they taught you? Like, how have they raised you, basically? Yeah. And then this is when he started to cry, so, like, real tears. Yeah. And he asked to be left alone. And the detective was actually very comforting and because they knew he was about to confess. So yeah. he's like, yeah. Like, so then they play like good cop, bad cop, mm-hmm. you know? So like, I feel like they know how to make somebody confess and they know how to manipulate yeah. their like emotional mental state. So yeah, I'm sure that, mm-hmm. that that was like a really good tactic, but it always impresses me how. I know I'd be so mad. Yeah. How like train, how well trained they are to manage their own emotions yeah when they're in the middle of like, an investigation into something so horrific so yeah especially when he's like confessing what he did like how do you keep your calm yeah. and still be comforting yeah exactly it just yeah that's really crazy to me that they can do that yeah um so 12 hours into the interrogation samson described in cold and disturbing detail precisely what he did to ashley so i'm going to talk about that here so just a trigger warning um samson described in oh i said that he Mm -hmm. said he put ashley in a chokehold and dragged her out of the car so this was after the argument they had yeah he then heard a loud pop and ashley went limp so this scared samson he realized he had snapped her neck so he panicked and pulled her into the woods but she was still alive um, so then he strangled her with his bare hands, and with when this didn't work, he realized Ashley was still breathing. He strangled her again with his belt, and he used his foot for leverage, like to pull as mm-hmm. hard as he could until the belt snapped. And after the belt broke, Samson choked Ashley a final time with his hands before taking off and leaving her to die in the woods. And I feel like strangling is such a personal method of killing somebody because even if she was passed out, like, you have to have your hands on her and look at her while you're doing that. So it doesn't really seem like his claim that Texas Chainsaw Massacre bothered him so much. Like, that doesn't really seem legit because he did not seem to have any problem, like, with this super long, like, that takes a long time, like, a super long and really personal Mm -hmm. method of attempted murder yeah so he said that when he's putting the belt around her neck that he looked away Mm. i do not believe that yeah me neither i feel like if you have the ability to kill somebody like you have the ability to kill somebody it's not like that it's gonna be like oh well well, i killed her but i couldn't look when i was doing it like that doesn't absolve you in any way and i don't believe that yeah and say at first it was an accident like when he heard the pop like he got scared Mm -hmm. like he had like three other times to not do this when yeah. he realized that she was still breathing yeah like repeatedly like mm-hmm. it i feel like at any point he could have stopped and called an ambulance yeah and it's just so horrific because he does this like three times yeah yeah that was it was definitely on purpose like this was definitely not i don't know if he's trying to claim that this is an accident or something that like he didn't mean to do that's definitely not true mm-hmm yeah, so after his confession, Samson agreed to leave de- lead detectives to Ashley's body in Belleville, located 12 minutes away from Ashley's home. 
So because it was raining all night and dark outside, Samson could not remember exactly where he had put Ashley. So detectives searched throughout the woods for about 30 minutes, and police at this point are like, all right, like, this, he's playing a game with us. Yeah. Like, he's not, she's not here, right? He told us that he put her. Mm-hmm. But just then, they found Ashley, and she looked deceased. She was lying on her back with her hands up to her chest. Her tongue was sticking out, and hundreds of insects covered her body. That is so scary to find that. I know. And then her hands suddenly started moving, and her chest began to rise. And I was actually watching, like, a short, like, 25-minute crime watch video on the case and they're actually showing everything that's really crazy like they showed her body i thought it was like an gonna be a reenactment or something but it was like her yeah that's crazy that's crazy but they have that yeah yeah so police quickly called emts and they rushed to the scene and transported Ashley to a local hospital where she was put in an induced coma. Mm-hmm. And paramedics were like, yeah, we don't think she's going to make it. So I feel like after that point, she's been sitting in the woods for what, like 32, 32 hours. hours at this point. And she's been, her neck has been broken, right? He broke her neck. Yeah. He, she's been strangled like by his hands and by a bell. And she's just been lying, lying in the woods and it's been cold and raining. Like there's a whole host of things out there that I feel like could have led to her death, like hypothermia, everything, you know, just like being outside for that long also puts you so much more at risk of dying. Yeah. Or just like animals out Mm -hmm. there, you know? Yeah. She was definitely like very lucky to still be alive. Yeah. So Samson was... Arrested and charged with first-degree attempted murder. Mm-hmm. And after Samson had confessed, he asked if he could get a toothbrush and if he can take his contacts out and if he can have a private toilet because of his urine, urinary stress disorder Why and he, is like, that? couldn't pee in front of people. Why is that what you're worried about? Also, like, you can't pee in front of people? That's your biggest issue right now? Like, that's what you're concerned about? You just confessed to attempted murder and you're afraid that you can't pee in front of people? Like, that's what you're really trying to focus on? Yeah, so he's very self-absorbed. He's yeah. only thinking about himself. It's like, yeah. okay, I confessed to this horrific crime. Now can I get this, this, and this? Yeah, exactly. Like, it just seems so entitled. Like, why do you deserve this? You just tried to kill somebody. Yeah, and the detective was just like... Um, I'll see what I can do, or, like, I'll talk to them and see what they say. Yeah. It's like, no, you can't get I all put these him in a, things. I would put him in a, in a toilet room with, like, 40 or, toilets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the complete opposite. So, Samson showed no empathy or regret for his actions, and he pleaded not guilty and never apologized to Ashley. And I feel like that's how you just know it's like it wasn't a mistake. Like, no, that's how you know it was not something that he accidentally did. I mean, maybe he just became over like in the heat of the moment. He did this, but it was definitely something that he had been capable of. And like, I feel like that just shows that he had been thinking about that, like, or at least he had been 
he knew he was capable of that because if like if you don't have any remorse if you don't have any empathy if you don't show anything like oh my god like i did this awful thing but i'm so glad she survived like it's just i don't know yeah he's like i'm good i don't have to apologize yeah she's alive yeah he should be apologizing not only to her to her family yeah there's so many people that are affected by that kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah he pleaded not guilty and samson was released on bail and placed on house arrest for an entire year while he awaited trial how do you get out on bail for attempted murder yeah i mean he literally strangled her three times yeah like how i feel like there's certain crimes that you should not be allowed to be bailed out for no and for a year and who is paying this bail i just want to know yeah probably his family yeah but I don't understand how they would pay it, like, knowing what he did, you know? Yeah, let him face the consequences, because yeah. he obviously confessed, so it is yeah. him. This is not a case of, oh, maybe he's innocent. Right, like, he... Like, no. Yeah, I know, because I feel like families sometimes want to just believe the best about their child, and they'll look for any indication of doubt to be to cling on to, and be like, oh, it probably wasn't him, like, he's not confessing. But if your son confesses to this awful crime, and then... You have to pay. I'm sure it was a lot of money. Like, I'm sure it was uh, yeah. a lot of money. And then I'm sure, like, like what? I don't know how you rationalize that. Yeah, I could not rationalize yeah. that. So, yeah, he was at his house for a whole year. And just before he was going to face the charges, he attempted suicide during his house arrest mm-hmm. by ingest- ingesting various prescription pills and alcohol. Yeah. He wrote the words, like, with a marker on his chest, like, do not resuscitate uh, for, like, the paramedics. Yeah. That's, but obviously they ignored the That's not going to stop anything. <laughs> that's not what a DNR is. No. <laughs> so, yeah, the paramedics ignored it. Yeah. And when Samson woke up at the hospital, he became violent, attacking the nurses in the hospital. And he was making r- racial slurs. It's like, like they're doing their job. Like yeah. they're obviously going to resuscitate you. Yeah, like you can't just commit suicide to get out of the consequences of your actions. Like, yeah. I don't know what he expected from that. They're just like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, too bad. Like he wrote DNR in my on his chest, so I guess we can't do anything <laughs> about that. Like, no, that's not how it works. So they believe that he did this to so it can help him out in court and he can look like a victim and he yeah. can look like maybe he has like mental issues. Right. I feel like a lot of people try and claim like mm-hmm. um like the insanity, insanity plea. So yeah, maybe that was but he was very clearly calculating, like he was he's very clearly clearly not insane. Like he knew what yeah. he was doing. He had very clear a thought process throughout the entire thing so i don't know what he was expecting like i don't think that that's gonna get him out of it a year after yeah Yeah. and so yeah the jury like they also knew this they're like yeah Mm -hmm. he was just like doing that to play the victim so they did not grant that insanity claim i don't know what you would how i would phrase that but so Ashley's family decided that they didn't want to stand trial just because they didn't want to suffer through the retelling of this horrible attack. 
Yeah, I feel like that's definitely something that, like, a lot of victims have to go through in court is they have to stand there and look at the person that attacked them or look at the person that did something horrific to them and, like, in front of so many people retell their story. And I feel like that just must be so re-traumatizing for them. Like, they already went through this once. Why do we have to make them go through that again? Yeah. Like... I understand the purpose of it is to hear their side, but I'm there must be a better way to get their side of the story without dragging them into like them and their families into court mm-hmm. to face this person that traumatized them. Yeah, you know? exactly. So like, I definitely don't blame her for not yeah. wanting to like stand up. I feel like it should be like they should be allowed to do a written statement or a video statement so they don't actually have to come into court cuz I feel like I just keep hearing these stories of people who are forced to come into court because if they don't, like, their attacker, attacker will walk free. Yeah. And in those cases, you really have no choice. But I feel like there must be a better way for, like, victims and their families to be able to prosecute somebody without, like, forcing them to see that person again. Yeah, and keep in mind this person's... Well, I mean, now she's 18, but, like, imagine, like, before, you know? Yeah. Like, having her come in before being an adult. It's just... Yeah so difficult to do that and i know they're still required to yeah like just to make a child do that is yeah crazy so samson received a plea deal because of this and he was sentenced to 20 years in prison and his projected parole date is april 22nd 2024 that is nuts like that is coming up only 20 years max and then obviously he's gonna get paroled like earlier than that so this is i think the early the earliest or else like 20 years from like 2027 would be i mean 2007 would be 2027 but no i feel like they usually do like i mean if he's like on good behavior like they usually do parole you yeah so this is the projected parole date why is i don't understand why attempted murder gets less than actual murder like i it doesn't yeah. make any sense like the dif- they have the same intentions yeah like you're you were trying to kill somebody though so like i don't understand how that carries any less weight than actual murder would yeah i don't know you know like the only way it wasn't murder is because mm-hmm. she survived like that's the only reason it wasn't murder it wasn't anything he did it wasn't like he stopped and was like oh no no, he, I'm not he going actually to. tried three <laughs> yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't understand how that gets a different sentence than actually killing somebody. Yeah. yeah. But where is Ashley now? So Ashley did an interview with Elizabeth Smart, who was also, like, a victim mm-hmm. of abuse, and she was also kidnapped when mm-hmm. she was younger. And I watched a piece of that on the watch crime or crime watch yeah (laughs) and she made she talked about her impossible recovery so she had a brain injury and she couldn't remember the day of Mm -hmm. the attack or even a few days before that yeah which like i can't imagine yeah but it's also like maybe for the better that she can't remember. remember what happened to her yeah because i feel like she must feel like a certain part of her life is missing that she can't remember this, but also it must be so traumatic to remember that. Yeah. yeah. 
and Samson tried to take her life, but she does remember that she was trying to break off the relationship. Okay. And Ashley refused to let this get in the way of her dreams, so she still graduated high school. Mm -hmm. And a few months after the attack, she had to relearn how to talk, how to eat, and how to drink. That's crazy. Yeah, but with, like, brain stuff it and spinal cord stuff, yeah. it's so scary. Like, any one wrong thing to either of those parts of your bodies, like, you really have to relearn how to do literally every single thing. Yeah. Yeah. She talked about, like, being able to have her first drink of water and she was like mm-hmm. yeah that was like the best day yeah that's crazy i know it's so sad and especially like her family as well they had to like help her with yeah. everything and i can't imagine like how difficult that like her was autonomy like not being able to do anything without help must have felt like she was trapped yeah for so long like the fact that she was celebrating taking her first ever like her first drink of water mm-hmm. Just it must have been so hard for her to kind of reconcile the f- like the future, the path that she was on before this happened. Like it seemed like she was on like a path to a really successful future, and then now just having to celebrate like the smallest things must have felt so difficult for her. Yeah, and so she also started volunteering at a violence prevention center after high school, mm-hmm. just to help other victims. Yeah. And today she is 32 and has two children and is happily married. Good. That yeah. is kind of a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And I'll just, the last thing I'll share is a quote from her. She says, there's bigger, better things out there. I've gone through plenty of hardships and it's just, just keep fighting. Every day is a struggle, but you just got to keep on. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of shows that she's a fighter. Like, no matter what things, like, are put in her way, she says that she'll always, like, be fighting and that you can do the same. Yeah. And, I mean, to survive for 30 hours in the woods just shows, I feel like, what a fighter mindset she has. And, like, to be able to do that, it must, it does take so much internal strength. Mm -hmm. Like, whether she was conscious for it or not, like, her body and her mind knew she, she wanted to survive. Yeah. But that is a story of Ashley Reeves. I can't believe he's getting out so, so soon. So soon, right? I know. I wonder if they have like a petition going on, like to keep him yeah. in jail. But there is like nothing. I didn't find anything. And then even if there is, it would only be for the next. They'd have to keep five redoing years. it. Right? Yeah. yeah, it'll only be for the next five years because they can't like extend his date past twenty twenty seven. You know, it's like they can't like once they sentence oh. you, like they can't. Sentence you more they can't time. sentence you more so even if there was a petition to stop his parole from happening he would only still be in prison until 2027 which wow. is still so soon that is he definitely i don't know <laughs> he definitely deserves to ha- get time. life in prison like he tried to kill somebody i don't understand how that's any different yeah. than actually killing somebody and he shows no remorse right it's not like he's like it's not like he's sorry yeah for what he did exactly like, he definitely has the potential to recommit. If he did this once and he's not upset about it or anything, then I feel like he definitely has potential to, when he gets back out there, like, do the exact same thing. Yeah. But, well, thank you for sharing. Yes. Thank you all for listening. 
Yeah. Um, and we will catch you on the next episode next Tuesday. Yes. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.